Pastor Children's Ministry and all things awesome. Yeah, good, 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 good. Um, let's give him a big round of applause. Stay standing. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Keep standing. Well. Do me a favor, if you would, if you are standing, you should have a parent around you. I'm assuming you didn't drive yourself. Uh, could you stand in your chair? Adults, you're definitely going to have to help real quick. Go ahead and stand up in your chair. You know, we don't get to do this on a regular Sunday. Good. Now, on the count of three, I want you to take the paper ball that I gave you. No, I'm just kidding. Wouldn't that have been good, though? It's water balloons. One, two, three. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, you know, so I wanted, I wanted to take an opportunity, and uh, I just wanted to point out, um, man, it's so easy to, to forget uh, because we have an incredible children's ministry that uh, ministers to kids, uh, preschool, birth up through fifth grade. It's easy to forget that they're in the house, right, because they're, they kind of do their own thing, and, um, and they're, they're kind of separate. They're here, but, but they're, they're also apart. And so I just, I think it's easy to forget. I, I don't know if you know this. One of the things that I love about kids, like today, I was putting on my shoe, and um, I found a fruit snack in it. Um, God, how does that happen, right? Um, I just, I think it's easy to forget the joy that they bring. And so um, I want to do, just real quick, I want to honor our kids. So adults, as we're looking around and we're seeing, um, it is like that. And these kids, um, they're going to be driving and applying to college and then going into the, the workforce, buying homes, having kids of their own, and I know it seems like forever away, but it's not, um, because guess what, today's March the 31st, but like the first Sunday in May, we're going to be honoring and recognizing our high school graduates, which I did for Madison Helvey, who's up here leading us in worship, like two days ago, but it's really two years ago, um, and uh, I'm going to be doing it for several others, Ainsley Thomas is here, uh, whose sister was just singing, she'll be, uh, Emma will be graduating in just a few years, Ainsley graduated last year. And so I just want to take an opportunity because, if man, there are churches all over the world, all over our country, all over our city that would love to have youth. And I'm not talking about teenager youth, smelly, funny, weird, like how are you good kind of stuff. I'm talking about kids who like they talk and won't stop talking. Um, for kids who ask questions, even though you don't want them to ask, like you just, can you please give me a break? Um, so let's be, let's be uh, thankful for them. And, and kiddos, I just want you to stay standing. And I want to honor you. So moms, dads, grandparents, uh, folks, let's honor them this morning. All right. On the count of three, you're going to jump off of your seat if you'd like or sit down slowly. It's up to you, really, your parents. Hey, that was ahead of the three. Get back up there. Ready? Let's see how far you follow. Ready? One, two, four. Oh, see? And that right there is why you're still kids. Go ahead and grab a seat. Let's get one more big round of applause. Does anybody know how many days of school you have left, a.k.a. until summer starts and the nightmare begins? Does anybody know? Does anybody know how many days of school you got left for this semester? I know. How many? It is. Listen to this. Are you ready? There are only about 40 days left of school. Amen. The sun is out. Man, the skies are blue. We've been through about 60 already. And I'm going to tell you, it's, uh, it's incredible to think that tomorrow is April. April Fool's. How many of you got April Fool's planned? It's a Christian holiday. You can, I'm just kidding. It's not. But you can talk about April Fool's Day, guys. It's not a big deal. We're not talking about Halloween. 
April Fools. How many of you are going to fool somebody tomorrow? Yeah, my man right there. I love it. He's like, I got it planned. Don't tell him. I got to keep it to myself. You're going to fool somebody? So one of the best April Fool's pranks that my wife Amy and I ever pulled was on the night of March the 31st. Was it last year? Uh, two years ago, um, Anna Claire and Riley fell asleep, and they were, I guess, six and seven at the time, right? Something like that. And so when they fell asleep, um, we, we moved them into, like, different rooms, uh, and we moved some of their stuff as well. So, like, they, it wasn't just, like, we kind of moved, like, we didn't just move the room. Like, we moved them and moved their blankets and everything. So, like, they woke up in a different room, different bed, but with all of their belongings, and it was glorious. So feel free to use that, you know, feel free to use that this year. Um, April Fool's, uh, it's, a, it's a, a, fun, a fun holiday. Um, tomorrow, though, uh, I want to I start this morning. Um, tomorrow, um, we, we have a, uh, an incredible opportunity. And as I share this, we've got some folks in the back who are going to be bringing up God's Word in the Bible. So if anyone needs a copy of the Word, even if you don't need one, if you don't have it, raise your hand. Or they've been instructed to throw it and hit you. So please, if you need the Bible, if you need a copy... Go ahead and grab one. We're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 15 today. And so you're going to need to follow along with me so you know it's not just Russ's word, but God's word. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and they'd be happy and honored to give you one. Michael, he needs one right here. Young lady, come back. Sit right here. This guy right here. Yep. Right here. Yep. Good. Good. Let's see. Who else needs one? Uh, Who else can we give one? Right here. Yeah, go ahead and give one to him too. Caleb right here, he needs one. He's getting his phone out, but he'll get on text message or something. So, yep. Good. Everyone's good? Awesome. Hey, Rhiannon uh, was serious about the snack shack back there. If you'd like snacks, if uh, as an adult you need something to hold you over till lunch, we're going to be here until about 1.30, uh, so you may want to may grab something. Um, I'll go ahead and, and, and tell you this uh, real quick today. Uh, Chad, can I tell them what's going on in Bartlett? Is that something I can tell? Thank you, Chad. Chad is one of our elders, um, also basically in charge because Randy's not here, um, although I have the microphone so I can do and say whatever I want. Um, so for the last, gosh, several months, um, we've been searching for a youth pastor for our Bartlett campus, um, and uh, that process has come to an end. They're announcing a young man who's going to be serving as the student pastor for our Bartlett campus. His name is Micah, and uh, he is being introduced. He's like a, a young 23. God, y'all remember 23? Me either. Um, but Micah's there, and he's stepping into the ministry there to lead the student ministry. And so, man, I am so thankful they are uh, recognizing him and introducing him this morning. And so that's been a, an incredible process. And if you can imagine having students um, for any uh, amount of time, you want them to have a leader, someone who's going to uh, pour into their life. And so our elders, our leadership, they've been praying and walking through this process. And God has delivered a young man named Micah who will be delivered uh, into the hands of the Bartlett campus today. So um, I want to say amen to that and thank God for his work. Um, and then I want to tell you, um, uh, tomorrow on April Fool's Day, um, we have the, um, I say privilege, um, my wife, uh, Amy, uh, her father passed away uh, suddenly Friday um, evening. And uh, I know it, it's, a, it's a sad and, and it was shocking uh, but I want to take an opportunity because so many of you have reached out and just said, we're praying for you. Let us know what we can do. And um, Randy asked me, hey, are you going to be okay to preach? And man, I really had to pray through that and, and wonder. I'm over there bawling. I'm crying, thinking about the songs. And I hear, um, you know, I see you. You know, I, I was once lost, but now, I, like, now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see. And, and I think about Amy's dad, Mike, um, today um, for now the, um, gosh, third day he's in heaven. 
Uh, and Riley, my son is here. He's eight. He told me yesterday, he said, Dad, I just want, my, I want granddaddy to come back. And then I said, you know, as much as I do, um, he, I don't want him to. As much as I do, I don't because he's in heaven. Um, Mike was saved at an age of eight or nine. I got to talk to his mother who's still living. She's 82. One of the most godly, most I mean, God-fearing women I've ever met. She said, Russ, I, you know you're doing my, my funeral. Um, I'll be doing his funeral tomorrow. Um, I said uh, to the family, I said, is it lost on you? Mike had this dry sense of humor. And so is it lost on you that we're going to do his service on April Fool's Day? Um, and so, um, you know, he... he even at 60 years old, it, it never dawned on me. Um, even in the hospital, he, he was there. It, we never thought that this would be the outcome. Even though the truth is, we will all one day, um, we will all one day be called home. And uh, and then Riley said, "That's not true, Dad. Jesus might come back first. I said, "Amen. You can preach tomorrow." Um, but I thought about that. I just thinking about seeing Jesus, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to figure out a way to throw that into today's message. Um, I'm going to try to tie in what we've been talking about with our children's ministry for the last month about being made in God's image. Um, and then I'm going to share the, uh, the passage of scripture in Matthew 15, 1 through 20. Uh, and I'm going to try to figure out a way to do that all together uh, in a way that is going to encourage and challenge um, kiddos like Andrew. Uh, and then um, kiddos who are in second, third grade and, and middle schoolers and high school. And then hopefully you as an adult, my heart is that as we walk away today, that we are encouraged uh, by God's word and the work that he does in our life. Um, one thing I will say about my father-in-law um, is that he made me want to be a better man. Uh, my dad is here. Um, my mom is here. I didn't expect him to show up. They're here. Uh, and my dad, uh, I tell people uh, all the time, he, uh, um, he's such a great man. Uh, he loves his kids well. He loves his wife well. Um, and Mike did the same for, for Gay. And uh, as I think about, um, as I think about relationship, I can't help but think about Jesus' relationship with his father. And I wonder if God ever said, I just want Jesus to come back to heaven. I'm just ready for him. But he knew what had to happen. And so as I'm thankful for Mike's life, I knew that at some point Mike would go home to see Jesus. And that was only because of his profession of faith as a kid. Granny shared the story. They were sitting um, there at the breakfast table uh, back in the 1800s, I guess, at some point. And he was sitting there before breakfast, and they went to a small Baptist church, and Mike said, Granny, or he said, Mama, I want to walk the aisle today. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, at one point in culture, and it still exists in some churches, not ours, we don't come forward. We hang out and then talk to the pastors in the lobby, which can I just address that real quick? We would love for you, as God's moving, just respond now instead of catching us in the lobby for 30 minutes after. We would love to do it here so we get to celebrate that with you and our church together. So Mike walked the aisle at like eight or nine years old and gave his life to Christ, and for the past 51 years, um, he wasn't perfect, but man, um, my father-in-law loved Jesus. And so as I think about relationship and I think about the way we live and why it matters, I pray today that God's word challenges you. I pray that the stories that I share and, and ultimately um, what God speaks to you, I pray it, uh, it challenges you to be more like Jesus so that when God calls you home, um, you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, just as Mike did Friday, um, that you will be able to say, that you fought the good fight, uh, that you kept the faith, and you finished your race. So let me pray for us, and uh, we're going we're gonna to jump in, okay? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for our, our boys and our girls, for our, our men and our women, for our teenagers. Lord, I thank you for, uh, most importantly, your son Jesus, in whom we have hope of eternal life. Um, and Lord, it's not just a promise of, of things to come. Lord Jesus, your, your gift of life, salvation, it impacts us in the way we live now. And so as we think about the fact that you've made us and that you love us and you have a plan for our life, I pray that it didn't go in one ear out the other. I think about that as growing up as a kid. My dad always said, don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Lord Jesus, I pray that today we wouldn't let it go in one ear and out the other. We wouldn't let it come into our heart and tickle our hearts just for, just for a couple of days. And then we would leave and, and the stress of life would capture us. And it, it would not only capture us, but it would capture our affection, our attention. Instead, Lord, I pray that the word of God would be planted deep into our heart. That we would, we would tie your word around our neck. That we would memorize it, not just for the sake of knowledge, but for the sake of wisdom. As we share it with other people in a way that will encourage and point other people to you. Father, I pray that our life would be worthy of the calling of Jesus. And as we think about and celebrate today, as we gather with the church family, I thank you for my father-in-law, Mike. I thank you for the opportunity to call him um, my father uh, by marriage, but really just my, my second dad. Lord, I pray for him. I pray for uh, really his family, just his legacy, God, that it would be made to do great things and that through something so hard, just as we give thanks to the good, I pray that we would also thank you for the hard because it grows our faith. It challenges us to, to surrender our will to you. And so we pray this morning, let your will be done here on earth as it's in heaven. And Lord, we love you. We thank you. So in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, do me a favor. If you're a kiddo, uh, I need you to just real quick, just real quick, do me a favor. Give somebody a high five. One. Ready? One, two, three. Give them a high five. Good. Adults, I don't want to leave you out. Let's go double. Let's go double for the adults, okay? Find somebody that you don't know. Don't cheat. You guys right here in the middle, don't cheat. Double high five. Hit somebody right there. If somebody's awake, say, wake up. You know who you are. Hey, I know he's scary back there in the, in the blue shirt, but he's really a teddy. Hey, somebody give him a high five. No, you. No, you. Somebody give him a high five. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You know, that's so uncomfortable for us sometimes, but the truth is um, God has brought every single person here for a reason. Don't take him out. He's fine. Thank you. I'll take you. I'll take you. I got four. Hey, bud. Hey. You know, one of the things that we think we've got to do is we've got to be perfect, guys, and we don't. And we're, we're a family uh, of imperfect people who serve a perfect Savior. And so I want to tell you guys this morning that as we gather, you've got a kid kicking your, cha- you've got a kid kicking your chair, deal with it. Um, you've got a, a, a young man who wants to fire, fly a paper airplane. I'm counting on you guys. Let it fly. Um, ultimately, we want church to be a place that's not just a place we show up and go through a routine. We want it to be a place that's fun, where we create memories. Um, not only we learn and to love our Lord Jesus, but we also learn to love one another and encourage one another to do the same thing. So if you don't have a church home, welcome uh, to Christ Church. Um, you picked a great day, as Rhiannon said. Um, and uh, we'd love for you to come back and hear our, our senior and, and campus pastor, lead pastor Randy, deliver the word in a way that only he can. So we're going to be checking out Matthew chapter 15. And it's going to be verses 1 through 20. Now, some of you are going to think, man, what does this have to do with like a family ministry day? And you're going to find out real quick. Um, I even shared with Rhiannon, because we always talk and pray about what we want this Sunday to look like, because there's only a handful of them. And you should have seen her face. She was puzzled. Um, and she's like, how is that going to work? And then I shared it with her. And she goes, how is that going to work? So you'll see. So uh, I want to read uh, Matthew chapter 15. We're going to go verses 1 through, through 20, and then we're going to come back. And check it out. So let's, um, let's read. I'm reading from the ESV version. If you have something different, that's okay. Um, just follow along with me. 
Chapter 15 of Matthew says, Then Pharisees and scribes, yes, Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. They do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them and he said, Why do you, I know, you don't wash your hands either. He says, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or their mother must surely die. But you say, quote, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is already given to God. He did not honor to his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines and commandments of men. And then starting in verse 10, Jesus says, And he called the people, he called them to him, and he said, Hear and understand. Thank you. You want to talk? You want to preach? Go ahead. You can't leave the room silent. People don't like silence. You want to go up there? Yeah? All right. Let's go back to Mama. I know you miss me. I got, I got four. I can do this. It's, it's a gift. It's just a balancing gift. I know. He's okay. I got him. He's okay. Practice. Amen. He said, what? He called the people and he said to him, he said to them, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This is what defiles a person. Then the disciples came and he said to them, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered them, Every plant in my, that my heavenly Father has planted will not be rooted up. So let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes from the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual morality and theft and false witness and slander. This is what defiles a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Can I pray real quick? Heavenly Father, your word is alive. It is true. It teaches. It corrects. It admonishes. And so I pray this morning that your word would be alive. Lord Jesus, that it wouldn't be, uh, we wouldn't be... Um, Father, we wouldn't lose focus, that we wouldn't get caught up in what's going on around us or what we have later this week, that just for the next few minutes we would focus on what your word wants to say to us. Help it, Lord, to help us to make it more like you as we read it, trust it, and live for it. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. So right before this, I love Peter, right before this is the scene where Jesus walks on water. How many of you would love that gift, right? Like, wouldn't you like to walk on water? Part of me wants to breathe underwater, but how much cooler it would be to just, you know, and just jog across it. I mean, that would be amazing. What superpower, like if you had a superhero, what would it be? A superpower hero or superhero power. What would it be? Okay. You guys clearly don't know me very well. Um, We're going to talk. And so I'm asking a question. You get an answer. If you could have any superhero power, what would it be? Telekinesis. I don't know. Somebody spell that. I'll I'll let you, I'll give you $20 bill if you know how to spell telekinesis. Anybody? How do you spell it? No, I'm just kidding. Does anybody know what telekinesis is? Yes. See, if you had it, you would know. 
It is. It's right. To be able to read someone else's mind, right? To move things with your mind. See, I'm, I'm, I'm a preacher. What do I know? So look, here's the deal. To move things with your mind, that'd be incredible, right? Um, I would also like to be able to read people's minds. You know, that would be cool. Then I could know where Amy wanted to go for lunch. Gosh. What's another power? Does anybody ever think, I'd like to fly? Anybody want to fly? Yeah, fly would be cool. How about stop time? Wow. I'd love the power to be able to heal somebody. That would be incredible. Um, what about to like run super fast? Anybody? Yeah? Mr. Bill, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? You'd like to heal people? That'd be awesome. Yeah. Anyone I'm not thinking of? Yes, ma'am. Go back in time. Ooh, it'd be a time traveler. Man, that'd be great. Yes, yes, sir. What you got? What? To be what? Oh, be God. That would be, man. I can't do anything with that. That's, that's up there somewhere. I, woo! That's more than a superpower. Yeah. To be Spider-Man. Yeah. To be invisible, man. Listen, those are incredible, incredible superpowers. Jesus was the greatest superhero. We see it in, in, in Matthew 14, where Peter and the disciples are on the boat. Jesus is nowhere with them. They're sleeping in the water, and they wake up, and it's a ghost. At least that's what they think it is. And they begin to shout out of fear, because if I see something, I don't know what it is. If I'm afraid of it, I don't quickly run to it with a sword and say, attack. No, I get afraid. I'm fearful, and I scream. And it comes, comes around that in chapter 14, just before this, Um, Peter sees that it's Jesus. And he says, if it's you, call me to you and I'll go to you. And then Jesus gives the supernatural ability for Peter to walk on water. And if you know the story, he did great until what? Is anybody continuing to tell me? He took his eyes off of Jesus. (laughs) Check, amen, that's me. Guys, I'll tell you, there's nothing like a, a death experience or something joyful where someone is baptized, there's new life with a baby. There's nothing like those things that just help me to get closer and draw closer to God and be thankful or be hurting. Um, there's nothing that draws us to that. But it's because life is so precious. And so here we see Peter has this incredible power to walk on the water. And I got to think the disciples are like, I can do it. I can do it because I'd want to walk on the water too. But then what happens? Peter takes his eyes off Jesus because he gets afraid. He gets distracted by what's going on around him. And then he begins to doubt. And if you, if you know anything about the Garden of Eden, you think about the essence of sin. Ultimately, Adam, who was with Eve when Satan tricked them, basically caused Eve and Adam to doubt. Did God really say that? And really what that's getting at the heart of is, does God really have your best in mind? And so it's one thing to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the, the author and perfecter of your faith, when things are going okay. It's another thing that when you have someone die unexpectedly, or you have your best friend that says, I don't like you anymore, and you're a third grader, and now you don't have anyone to eat lunch with, or you're a middle school girl, and you tell a, a story to your best friend, and then that best friend decides they're not going to be your friend anymore, so they, they go and they gossip, and they tell everybody about it. Or you're a spouse, and you feel afraid to be vulnerable to the one that God's given you as a helpmate because you're so afraid of being hurt by the person who knows you the closest. And so we put on a mask and we fake it. So that's what Peter does. Peter gets distracted by the waves crashing around him. He begins to sink. 
And as he does, Jesus comes to his rescue, just as he's done for us. He stepped out of heaven and he came into the world as a man to live a life that was perfect for us, to be our sacrifice, so that anyone who had placed faith in Christ, not of themselves, that they would be saved because of who Jesus was and what he did and what he continues to do. And you can imagine, he reaches down into the depths and he pulls Peter up. He says, oh, you of little faith. You know why I relate to that? You, you know why you should? Because we're all Peter. Because the truth is, when things, are, when things are hard, our first reaction is to try to fix it ourselves. It's to try to go to, to, to the lengths, the just great extremes, to try to figure out how do we fix it. Oftentimes, my wife tells me, Russ, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to... All the women said it. Guys, keep your mouth shut. You know they're right. <laughs> Listen, we, Jesus doesn't need us to fix it. Yesterday... Man, we, we spent time at Amy's mom and dad's house and all of her family was there and we're laughing and they're talking. And I just think, man, this is one of my least favorite things about this kind of a time. But then we're not supposed to just hurt by ourselves. We're to laugh and to cry together. Scripture's really clear about that. That we lift one another up. We carry one another's burden. Her sister told me, I'm angry. I don't understand. I'm, I'm mad at God. I said, listen, let your anger cause you to run to God. I would tell you, you're struggling with anything in life. You ask the question, why? Guys, I'm telling you, let that force you to run to God. Don't let it hide. Don't let that hide you or keep it away from God. Kids, I'll tell you right now, my kids, they're not perfect. Anna Claire's closer to Riley because she's a girl and she's my daughter. But guys, boys and girls, listen, look at me. Students, look at me. You're going to mess up. It's not an if or a when, um, but it's a it's gonna. Like, it's not an if, perhaps, maybe. You're gonna mess up. And so when you do, just as our Father in Heaven says, come to me, all who are weary, and I'll give you rest. He says, I will forgive you. I will keep no record of wrong. I'll throw your, uh, your sin as far as these is from the West. I love you unconditionally. Scripture says that even while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the kind of God that we serve. And guess what, parents? That's the kind of parents we've got to be. We've got to choose to love our kids in the midst of trouble and chaos in life. And you can only do that as a parent that God's created you to be in the image that he's created you if you first trust in him when the storms of life happen. Because they're going to. Your boys and your girls, you should be the first person they run to. You should be the first person that they say, I know my mom and dad might be maybe sad. They may even be angry. And students, they will be. I remember I was 16 years old and I started my own business cutting grass, except I used my dad's lawnmower, right, Dad? I used his blower, I used his weed eater, I used my mom's minivan, um, and their gas. <laughs> I know, right? And I cut my family's yards. And I remember jackknifing my trailer into my mom's minivan. Boys and girls, let me tell you what happened. Van, trailer. Russ is going along cutting grass, made $25, I'm rich. I'm pulling out. Whoo! And instead of, instead of turning the wheel the right direction, I back up. Here's the car. Right? You with me? You with me, Megan? Okay. Here's the car. Adeline, you there? Okay, good. Here's the car. Here's the trailer. I back up. I'm backing up. I'm backing up. And the trailer, I'm like, where's the trailer? There's the trailer. And it literally jacks nice into the side of the van. I called my mom. This is true. I promise. I said, Mom, I can't come home. I'm moving. I'm moving into Mamaw. I think I even actually went to my grandparents' house. I was terrified of my father. Why? Because I was afraid of what he was going to say or do. How many of us do the same thing when we mess up? 
Now, by no means do we have a free pass to do that. By no means do we have a free pass to jackknife the trailer and everything's good. You don't get to do what you want to do when you want to do it. Ultimately, as we're going to see, we see that what's in the heart is what matters the most. I should have run right to my dad. And even with maybe an angry fist, he would have wrapped his arms around me and said, I still love you. You're okay. And then I would have gotten whipped (laughs) and lost my driver's license. And never, I probably would have had to shut down the lawn cutting business. But I didn't, and I probably made $300 that summer and uh, thought I was wealthy. So as we see this, man, the reason I bring up Peter is because we're all Peter. And Peter is a key character in this story as well. As you look at chapter 15, verse 1, it says, The Pharisees and the scribes, they came to Jesus from Jerusalem. Now, now here's what's interesting. The, the Pharisees and the scribes, they came to Jesus from Jerusalem. Now, at this point, Jerusalem um, would have been um, uh, just north um, uh, of where um, Jesus was doing the majority of his ministry. Uh, excuse me, Galilee was just north of Jerusalem. So they would have actually had to send like a group of people. They had heard about Jesus. And so now they're sending the religious leaders. So they're coming to where Jesus was. And uh, they want to ask Jesus a question. Um, and here's the question in verse 2. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. Boys and girls, how many of you are told before you get a meal to wash your hands and clean up before you eat dinner. Throw them up. Yeah, I get it. Man, how many of you go in there and uh, you do one of these? Done. Yeah, yeah. Yep, Riley does Cub Scouts. And uh, we're supposed to shoot like bow and arrows and like make fire and do pocket knife stuff with um, Cub Scouts. Like two weeks ago, we were doing Cub Scouts. You know what our, you know what our night was? How to wash your hands the right way. Like... What is that? It's like, this is terrible. You got an eight-year-old boy. He wants to go outside and like play in the dirt. You got him out here washing his hands. Here's why it matters. Because the next meeting, we were doing um, uh, like a buffet. And I saw this little boy. Holy smokes. I don't want that. No joke. And so I said, Jesus, thank you for how to wash your hands. Because that stuff matters. And in this point, it matters, but Jesus is going to use this as a way to teach what matters more, tradition versus God's word. So follow along with me right here in verse 3. He answered him and said, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of tradition? And I love that. Jesus always answers a lot of times with a question to a question. He says, uh, he gets asked a question, hey, why do your disciples, why are they breaking, breaking tradition? And Jesus says, why are you breaking commandment? He asked this question, why are you breaking commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles their father or their mother, they must surely die. Verse 5, but you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother that what you would have gained from me, that's given to God, he needs to not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. And he calls him a hypocrite. Let me put this in terms maybe we can understand, because I had to read that a few times. I had to study that. I looked through that. And here's, here's what's interesting. See, there's a ceremonial washing that was commanded by tradition and not Scripture. How many times do we, do we try to do things because we think it's tradition and it's not really of God's Word? And then people put that on us like it is Scripture? It's called legalism. And that is a burden that as Christ followers, we do not follow. We are set free from that. We are, we are called to honor and to pursue and to follow the word of God, not the tradition of man. Now, traditions aren't bad. We love traditions at our house. 
Uh, we have certain seats we sit in. Uh, some of you have your share here at church that you sit in. If anybody sits in it, you wouldn't tell them to get up, would you? No. Traditions aren't bad until we put them above the word of God, the covenant of God's word. And so these guys, man, they were not washing their hands when they were eating. And, and, and so this tradition was taken seriously. But Jesus' answer, man, he answers them with a question. And it calls them out. He says, because of your tradition, you are, you've, put, you've put man's word and man's tradition above what matters most. And that's God's word. He says that we're to honor our mother and our father. That's a clear command from God. Number five of the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments. We honor our parents. Man, I, I had the, the difficulty, but as a privilege at the same time. Friday, I, I drove my mother-in-law to go talk to Mike's mom. And you can imagine, it's, 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 she's brokenhearted. But kiddos, let me tell you something. We're to honor our parents and we're to obey them. But parents, at the same time, we're to instruct our children in a way that honors the Lord. I think about that all the time. Sometimes I get angry at my kids and I want to I just get them. I want to discipline quick. But I'm reminded all the time that I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to raise them up to know and to love the Lord. Not to make Riley or help Anna Claire become the best people they can be. Not just that. Not so that Brooks can become the best baseball player he can be or so that Zeke can get into a college. Those things are okay, but at what point do I put them above the word of God? That becomes a problem. I'm not trying to create them into becoming a great person. I'm trying to help them understand and to know and to love and to follow Jesus. Because again, we learned all month long that your kids, that we, but especially our children this month, they learned that we're made in God's image, that we're made with a purpose. And we see the Pharisees here, they're putting the purpose of man above the purpose of God. And when you do that, you begin to make an idol, which is also now breaking another commandment. Because they're having a false idol. The false idol was their own tradition. So he says, listen, you say that what you would give to your parents, you're not going to because it's already been committed to the church. And that's really what the Pharisees did. They had committed everything that they had to the church. Now, here's what I think is really cool about this. It's one thing to commit. Like, I commit to do these things. I commit, Amy, we're going to go on a date once a month. And then like three months goes by and we've not been on a date. Uh, I set apart this money for this reason, but then something comes up and I have to use that money for something else. I've devoted my time from 6 to 7 a.m. to exercise. Oh, but goodness, it's hard to get out of the bed. There's a difference between word and deed. So these men of God supposedly had said that what they could give their parents, they couldn't because they had already devoted it to the church. But in reality, they were using it for themselves. And we do the same thing. We claim that we are committed to the Lord until the flesh inside of us causes us to do the things we want to do. When boys and girls, moms and dads say, hey, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. And rather than to obey and to follow, here's what we do. I don't want to. Boys and girls, that's sin. When we don't honor what mom and dad says, when we don't obey what mom and dad says, when we refuse to, to do what mom and dad says. And adults, it's the same thing for us. When God says to love your neighbor as you love yourself, to pray for your neighbor, and you don't, I don't want to. You don't understand what they've done. Or maybe you refuse to forgive someone who's hurt you. You do the same thing a kid does. You slam your foot down. And in doing so, you sin. And you say, I don't want to because what I want matters than what God wants. That's, 
Same things happened here with the Pharisees. What they wanted was more important than what God wanted. And so, parents, I'm here to tell you this morning, because I am one, we've got to figure out how do we honor the Lord so that our parents, or excuse me, so that our kids choose to honor us and live a life like us. Not because we're perfect, because they pursue the same Lord and God that we pursue. He goes on to say, you're a hypocrite. Didn't Isaiah, he was right when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching is the doctrine of commandments of men. Jesus quotes Isaiah 29, 13. He says, your lips, they honor me, but your heart is far from me. And I've been there. You ever been there? Some of you guys, you're here now, man. You show up to church and, and with everything on the outside, you honor God. But on the inside, you couldn't be further away. The, Jesus talks to the Pharisees and he describes them as whitewashed tombs. That on the outside, like a grave, they look good on the outside. But on the inside, a tomb was filled with dead bones. That everything on the outside was good and perfect. And they looked the part. But on the inside, they couldn't be any further from God. Listen, we're in the same place in today's culture too. It's so easy for us to walk in and, and to pretend and to fake it. There are times that Amy and I fight before I leave for church. And then I come in, I put a smile on my, my, my face, and I fake it. And there's sometimes people ask me, how you doing, Russ? And I'm like, I'm good, I'm okay. And they're like, oh, that's good, man, good to see you. And there's other times I just, Bleh, and I tell them what's going on. And they're like, oh, man. And sometimes they run. <laughs> but, man, how, how cool would it be if this was the place, like, right, this should be the place that when you're struggling in your marriage, this is where you talk about it, whether it's in our married life class where we talk about what marriage looks like, how to pursue a godly marriage or raising kids, we talked about it, in, if we talk about it in Bible study, we talk about it in fellowship. It's one thing, it's easy to do the religion thing, to come in, to halfway sing the words that the, the band plays and to kind of read the screen when they're going through the motion. It's easy to leave and then next thing you know, you're right back to the, the way that life was before you came. That's not why Jesus died on the cross. It's not why he was raised from the dead. That's not why he promised to come back for us. We're called to live a life worthy of the calling of Jesus. And guess what? Tomorrow, I'm going to have an opportunity to stand before people, both lost and found, blind and can see, that are dead to the things of Jesus and alive in him. And I have an opportunity to talk about a man who didn't honor God with just his lips. He was close to God in his heart. He was a godly man. And I knew it not because of how he acted, because of how he treated people. Because how he loved the Lord God with his heart and his soul, his mind and his strength, and how he loved others as himself. I tease John a lot, Everson. You ever heard the song, Big Bad John? You know? That's my theme song for John Everson. He's like six foot whatever and broad-shouldered. And I think about him all the time. And He's so gentle, right? And, and, and I think about him, and I, you know, people wear the WWJD. I think, what, like, what would John do? Because, <laughs> like like, look, it's hard to be like Jesus, but that's our strive. And you know why I know that? Because John would tell you it's not me. Like, Jesus is alive in his life. And I see that in other men and women of our church. And you would say, it's not, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But we strive to be perfect because the God we serve is perfect. And in and through him, as we get to know him and love him and know his word and know his character, we begin to understand that our life then reflects Jesus because his word is in our heart. That's when you become the salt and the light. My father-in-law was salt. He was light. That's what I strive to be. Whoa for us if we were 
far from him in our hearts, but close in our words. Like a whitewashed tomb. On the outside, we have it all together, but on the inside, we're dead. Jesus says, when he called the people to him, because he's already taken care of the Pharisees, and he says, now I'm going to talk to the people. And I love this, because he wasn't just talking to the religious leaders. Now he's talking to the Gentiles, people like us. He says, hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Jesus is referring later in Acts 10, 14, and 15. He says the same thing to Peter. Don't call what God has made common. It's holy. It's good. You can eat of what I've made. The disciples then came up, and get this, I love this. The disciples came up and he said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Can you imagine what Jesus says? Of course they're offended. Why do you care? They're offended because I just called them out on what they're not supposed to be doing. I don't know about you. I love constructive criticism, I think, because I need to know what I'm doing wrong so that I know how to be better, but not just for the act of action, so that I know how to honor the Lord, so I know how to be the loving husband and the loving father and the loving friend and the loving neighbor and the loving son. So I've got to figure out what that looks like. So there's sometimes I need you to call me out. And Jesus does it here. Now, now, I don't need, like right now, John Thomas stand up, Russ, and call me out right here. Don't do that. You do that in relationship. Right? You do that because you've earned the right. Jesus got to do it because he's Jesus. We're called to do that in community with one another. You can't do that unless you don't know one another. It's going to be foreign. It's going to be taken harsh. So we, in relationship, God calls us to love him and then love others. That's the way we love one another. We admonish, we encourage, we build into, but we also call out when we need to. In a way that's gentle and loving. Here's what he says. Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted, it will be rooted up. He says, let them alone. Leave them alone. For they are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. And then look at the next verse. Verse 15. I love it. But Peter said to him, uh, erase Peter and think about yourself. Put your name there. But Russ said, would you explain the parable to us? I love it because, look, we're like Peter. Again, we ask questions. Now, um, like remember, he's, he's been, like, raised out of the water. He'd seen Jesus do all these miracles up to this point, And he's now questioning. And he's worried about what other people think. Oh, my goodness. If you're a boy or a girl under the age of 95, raise your hand. Good. Good. We care what other people think. It's just of the flesh, man. And if you don't, talk to me after. I'd love to pray for you. Because you're, you're lying. We all care what people think to some degree. But the truth is, Jesus says, we don't worry about what the world thinks. We're to call to love. We're called to be kind. We're called to pray for and to show up in the lives of. But ultimately, we don't worry ourselves with what the Heavenly Father has not planted. Because in time, in due time, those things are going to be rooted up. It's going to come out. That's why you know that what's in a person's heart ultimately comes out. And that's what we see. That's why he shares this parable. Listen to what he says as we wrap up. Verse 16. He said, are you also still without understanding, Peter? You still haven't figured it out. In verse 17. Do you not see that whatever goes in the mouth passes through the stomach and is expelled? But whatever comes out of the mouth, it comes from the heart. That's what, that's what defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts and murder and adultery and immorality and theft and false witness and slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands, that doesn't defile anyone. I want to be really clear. That doesn't give you the opportunity to go outside and play in the dirt and then come home and say, I don't have to wash my hands. Pastor Russ said, I don't have to wash my hands. It's not going to defile me. It's going to come out anyway. That's not what I'm saying. Jesus is talking about a very ceremonial tradition. 
And he's understanding, listen, it's not about what you put in. What matters is what's already inside. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus isn't worried about changing your behavior so that your heart changes. Jesus is in the business of transforming a lost, dead, blind, far from heart to himself. So he begins to then mold you into the person he's created you to be. Because you're made in his image. You're made for a purpose. And you're made to honor him until the day he calls you home. For some of you, you're going to get to live to be Mr. Bill's age. He's 109. Rode here on a wagon. It's awesome. I love you, Bill. For some of you, though, you know what loss is. An unexpected loss is the worst. I've been so encouraged by your stories and just sharing your heart. And guess what? Part of biblical community, you know who you are. Some of you have just come and you've shared, you've texted, you've Facebooked, you've, you've called. And in reality, guys, this is why, like tomorrow when I stand before my family and, and, and Mike's friends and, and neighbors, that's, I, I'm not... I, I'm going to worry about what God's word says. I'm going to speak honor to the man that I knew because he knew the man that I belonged to, Jesus. That's what matters. He lived a life worthy of the calling of Jesus. And sure, he worried about what other people thought. And he struggled. He wasn't perfect. Right, Amy? Not until he became a grandfather. I don't know what happens. When you become a grandfather, like something just kicks in and you're different. (laughs) But in reality, guys... Like when Jesus changed our hearts, we understand that what's in your heart ultimately comes out. And what was in Mike's heart was the desire to honor the Lord Jesus. And when he messed up, he didn't fake it. He didn't try to hide from it. And he didn't try to give reason for it. He asked for forgiveness. He admitted his struggle. And in the power of Jesus, he wanted to be better. That's what I want to do as a dad. As a husband, as a son, as a friend, as a pastor, as a neighbor, as a stranger. Because ultimately, guys, it's not what we put in. I'm not giving you a pass to do whatever you want to do. That's not the point. The point is is that if you want to be changed, then you've got to make a decision to honor God by professing faith in Christ and what Jesus has already done. And when you do, I love this. You don't have to take a shower, get everything right, check some boxes, and then come to Jesus. He says, come to me. Like a childlike faith, come to me, and then I, I'll change you from the inside out. I'll transform your life. And until the time I come, or the time I call you home, you will live a life of faith. You will run your race that's been marked out for you. You will run your race and you will keep the faith. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for every ear that is here. For our boys and girls, I pray that they would consider what does it look like to honor their mom and their dad. In order to do that, they've got to honor you, God. Because it's not about changing our attitude or our our behavior. It's about changing our heart. And in the same way, I pray for our parents. I pray for our adults. I pray for our our senior adults. I pray for our neighbors, for our employers, our employees, for our sons and daughters, for our moms and dads, for aunts, uncles, cousins, for every single person in this room. I pray that God's word would not make an impact only to be forgotten. I pray that God's word would make an impact, that it would change you 
that you would become the salt and the light in the world in which you exist and be used by God to do great things. God, I'm thankful for your word in Ecclesiastes where you say two is better than one. For if one falls down, another can help them up. A three-strand cord is not easily broken. If two lay down, they keep each other warm. The idea of that is that, Lord, when we're together, we're better. God, when we love you and we love each other, we're better. God, help us to not be willing to just go through the life and just live in motion, but to diligently and with honor and a desire to honor you and to love others, help us to live a life worthy of the calling of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said...